I think in all of our lives, what if we had made a different decision at one moment? What would that have led us to? It could be positive or it could be negative, but it's, it's conceivable that if he had been kicked off the team again, that we may not, you and I may not be having this conversation. Hi everyone, this is Ben Guest. Today's conversation is with Michael Arkush. Michael is the co-writer of Scottie Pippen's new memoir, Unguarded. And in this conversation, we dive deep into writing process, what it's like working with a famous athlete, how to build rapport, why Michael transcribes all of his interviews himself. And from there, we talk Scottie Pippen, Pippen's childhood, his background, and the incredible amount of perseverance he showed to make it to the NBA. Enjoy. Michael, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. So you've written, co-written a number of books with a number of athletes currently. Uh, the book that's out right now, a bestseller already, Unguarded with Scottie Pippen. And you've co-written books with Phil Jackson, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Ray Allen. First, couple, couple questions about process and then let's dive into Unguarded and Scottie Pippen's story. But process first, how much is the process the same and how much does it differ? Well, it's the same in that uh, the, the mission is the same, is to get um, the person to open up as much as possible about their lives professionally and personally, to go through it uh, step by step, to be authentic, to be accurate, to be fair, um, to take as much time as necessary. I mean, we have deadlines, of course, but um, I believe that nothing, it, this can't be rushed. It has to be, um, it has to be done in a time that allows you that freedom and space. And, and so that's how they're all similar. They're different and every, every individual is different. They're, 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 how close you can get, how much rapport can be established varies from project to project. And I, I have to be aware of how that works. I have to be sensitive to the person's schedule. You know, I would like to interview the, the athlete every day, but I'm aware that that's not possible. Um, so there are a lot of things you have to sort of just, like any relationship, you have to adjust. What are your thoughts or, or tips for establishing and, and building rapport? We're all so quick to ask our questions and try to get to the heart of something, but be patient. Um, really just sit there and listen for the longest time and absorb and, and don't be afraid to ask the question three or four times. Don't be afraid to just keep at it. Um, you're there as a facilitator, so it's all, it's all positive. It's all trying to help that person who may be a super talent in sports, but in, in, in how they communicate, it may not be as easy for them. So that's your job. And, and just to feel like every day is a step, every time, every conversation you're going to gain, you're going to get more insight. Are you going to answer every question you have? No, but you just keep moving along step interview by interview. Right. And as you know, I'm working with a retired NBA player right now, Scott Williams, co-writing his his memoirs. And you've been incredibly helpful with the advice that you've offered for that. And and what you're saying just rings true to me in that it's you're totally on the person's side. You're just here to tell their story. And that um, I think that's such a, a benefit. Right. Because it's it, it, there's no there's no agenda. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in journalism, so often your agenda is getting the story. And, and, and so when you're, you, you don't want to hurt anybody at the same time, you're not sitting there trying to protect anybody either. When you're working with another, with an athlete or a performer of any kind and telling their story, you're also 
strangely enough, for that period of time that you're working together, you want that athlete to, you want to, you feel like you're protecting them. And I, I hope I have in all the cases I've worked with. It's establishing comfort really is the key. Safe, be safe. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. When you're doing the interviews, are they in person? Are they online? Then you get them transcribed. What, what is the step-by-step process? Sure. Uh, most, most of the time in person, because of COVID, this was one case where I did more Zoom than I would have liked, but it was necessary. Um, and then probably within a day at the latest after the interview, I'll transcribe it. And some people have said, well, why don't you get someone to pay for transcribing? And I never want to do that because I, in hearing tone, in hearing cadence, in hearing how they reveal something, I've discovered a lot. And I, I often catch much more in the transcription than I do in the original interview because I'm so busy thinking of my next question. So it's great. To, I, transcribing is so revealing. Wow. That, that I'm stunned in, in a good way. You're the first person I've talked to that does their own transcription. Oh, absolutely. And it's time consuming. I get it. But it's, it, it's how, I can't tell you how many times I have gained insight in how I want to proceed based on something I caught in the tape in listening than I did the first time. That's so interesting because they say communication is 90% nonverbal, right? So maybe it's plugging into that. The tone in which someone's saying something, as you said, is so revealing. So the, the time it takes to do a transcription, if you have an hour tape, how long does it take for you to transcribe? Uh, maybe an hour and a half because oh, I'll, wow. stop, I'll stop it at different times and, and, mm-hmm. and make notes about what I want to proceed. I'll put things in parentheses, ask this more, go into this more. I mean, but I love the whole process. So I don't mind taking that. I mean, doing a book is an enormous undertaking, takes so much time, but it's worth it on every level. Mm. What do you find fulfilling about doing a book i feel like i'm a eyewitness to history i mean i Mm -hmm. i'm i'm there catching one side of a very important person athletes or not always an athlete but somebody whose whose story factors into how we view the past and i had my own perspective ahead of time but now i get this and i'm able to hear it it's incredibly rewarding i love it how much and so it's an interesting thing when you're co-writing right in that with any piece of writing, there's the technical process. And then there's the sort of what Norman Mailer called the spooky process, right? Where it's just, we're in our head a little bit, stuff comes to, through our unconscious. That's the art side of it. When you're co-writing, how much is it, you know, I'm just taking the person's words and putting them in the best light possible, asking the right questions, et cetera. And how much are you sort of adjusting the literary dial as it were, as you're writing? That's a great question. Well, I think you always have to think of context. Uh, um, you want to get the person's words and account, but you also, that person may not always understand where this fits into history. And, and so you surround it with facts and details that you may have caught elsewhere that, that give it a, 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 that context is so important. But always you're trying to, you, you, you want to make, you have to make it, you really want to make it sound like the person is talking to the reader as opposed to you just reading something the person's written down. Conversation is so important. Yeah, uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was a long time ago said, you want it to be the person's best bar story told the best time they ever told it. 
that's a good way of putting uh, it. How much, how much do you think about individual word choice as you're constructing sentence? I'm crazy about that. I, I, I mean, I, I'll probably rework something 30, 50 times easy. And I might have a certain word in the first time, change it to the different word in the second time, and then the fourth time, go back to the original word. I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, we, we, I think writers get so preoccupied with every word much more than readers. Readers don't care that much whether it's offered or proposed or, you know, I mean, things like that. And yeah, we'll read into it. Oh my God, the deep meaning of this word is so much more. You know? So, okay, now you do the transcription yourself. And then, so what's the next step? Uh, then I'll start, I'll start writing more. I mean, um, a lot of times I'll write chapters, even though I know there are gaping holes in there because I want to get something going. I'll go back to Scotty or anybody and, and fill them in. Um, so it's, it's, I try to, I don't, I kind of have an idea of, I want maybe 500 to a thousand words a day, somewhere in that category. I think if I do that, um, that, that, I think it's important to have small accomplishments to feel like you, like you climbed a small hurdle and then just go to the next day instead of, Oh, I got to write 8,000. I, I don't, think I've ever or at least in recent years written more than 2,000 words in one given day hmm. so are you do you have the transcript on one screen or you know one window no, as I, it were print out I'll okay, print so out you, yeah you have the printed transcript and then you're looking at that in your writing correct gotcha and then and then it's that process of, of word choice and all of that so then how much are you, say with Scotty Pippen, how much are you then showing him chapters, showing him scenes, getting feedback? Um, I'll, sometimes I read stuff to him. Um, sometimes I'll send a chapter, two chapters, it varies. And, and then if I'm, let's say I've, I've written chapters one through three and I've made some changes, but they're really minor. I probably don't, I don't really need to go back to him at that point with them. They can, I can wait till later on, but he sees everything before it goes in, obviously. obviously. And then working with an editor, what's the what's the best um, of that process? That's very that's gone in different directions too. Um, I usually like to send three or four chapters at a time, so that by the time I'm done, my editor will have seen the entire books into chapters, and then so he'll weigh in on chapters one through four while I'm working on five through seven. I like that because I don't want to be writing forty thousand words and then saying, "Wait a minute, this isn't what what." This book is supposed to be about, um, and, and I I like to have an involved editor. I like to have somebody who I can feel free on calling on Saturday morning at eleven o'clock. Seriously, mm -hmm. and fortunately, I've been lucky most cases to have somebody like that. When you're doing so, when you're doing a book like Unguarded, are you thinking about theme and the overall message of the book as you're going through it? Does that oh, reveal yeah. itself in the writing? How do you think about that? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, you have to balance that. You have to consider theme, and then you have to think of well, am I, is this chapter, is this page live up to what you generally see as the narrative of, of his life? And mm. if, and you have to be careful because the the greatest thing, the greatest challenge is on page one fifty eight. You may describe something and re, and remember, wait a minute, on page thirty two, I said it. It's in a different way, conflicts, or it can be the same again. Something is, you have to go. Through through things over and over to make sure that it doesn't conflict or and it's not identical mm -hmm. and um but by the time that we're all done through the first you get the first pass back which means you get a, a, a version of what 
uh, the editor's already reviewed it. You've got, I'm sorry, you get the copy edited version. Then you get a first pass of what it looks like in a book. By that time, 90,000 words, I pretty, you could say to me, where, on what page is such and such? And I pretty much will know. Yeah. It's sick, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So when you get the, when you get that proof copy back, um, what do you do? I'll take about two weeks and go through it. I usually, and I, I'll take, I won't be home. I usually go somewhere very quiet, a park. Uh, some, I, I, you know, I used to, it used to be a library until COVID, but I mean, I, I go somewhere where um, it's, I can pay incredibly close attention and look at every word and I'll, I'll and I won't go fast again. I might take 15 minutes per page just to really wow. think through this say, is this, accurate is this really um necessary all kind and, and, and all hack stuff sometimes i'll say wait a minute this whole two pages doesn't belong mm -hmm. when you hack two pages out um what are some reasons why either it's really not important uh it's too similar to something you had 40 pages earlier um it doesn't, it's, I mean, a, a book isn't like a screenplay exactly, but you really want things to move along. Every page has to have a purpose. Every paragraph has to have a purpose. If it doesn't, I don't think it belongs. Right, which is tricky because as a storyteller, you, you have expertise in, you know, how the audience is going to receive something. But when it's a real person in their real life, you know, they may want to highlight something but it's like, yeah, but we actually sort of told that lesson 50 pages ago. Yeah, and, and I'll explain that. And normally mm -hmm. they realize, the great thing I've been really lucky about is, is, is they defer to me. They'll say, okay, they trust me. They trust me to know in, in cases where something isn't necessary while they might've thought it was. Right, and, and to your credit, you have an incredible track record. I mean, Thank you. so that, Thank you. that is, you know, that's, that's years and, and decades ultimately of work right okay let's jump into unguarded so speaking of theme what do you see as the the main themes of unguard of unguarded perseverance i mean what scotty pippen overcame is remarkable youngest of 12 poor background kicked off his high school team no college scholarship nobody no no not until real late in his senior year did anyone in the nba know who he was you don't have Scottie Pippen stories anymore, not in the internet age, not where, you know, I, you, could, you have footage of a 12 year old somewhere that, that people are already looking at. So how does a person continue to believe in themselves when they're not getting that acclaim? How do they, what drives them? What makes them go to the gym? I mean, yeah, I wanna be in the NBA, but come on, let's be realistic. So what, what, um, what, what did he have? What does he have in him that made him work that hard. Um, I, that's, and, and it, what he was able to do is just remarkable. Right, and there's, there's a, a great scene early on where essentially he's been kicked off his high school team and he's finally allowed to come back. And maybe this assistant coach who just seems like a wonderful person facilitated that. And, but Scotty has to run these steps and he runs these steps every day. And at one point it sort of flips from um, this is sort of punishment to this is, this is the focus and intensity that I need to have. 
Uh, and it's just it's just an amazing scene that you set there. Yeah, and there's also the day where he didn't want to run those bleachers, and right, and other other kids came by and saw that, and and you always wonder. I think in all of our lives, what if we had made a different decision at one moment? What would that have led us to? It could be positive or it could be negative, but it's it's conceivable that if he had been kicked off the team again, that we may not, you and I may not be having this conversation. It, it seems likely. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, and that's so interesting because it, what his teammates coming in and encouraging him. Um, I think that's where he first says, you know, my nickname is Pip. Everyone calls me Pip. And the and, other thing is, I think yeah. also that the, the whole concept of, of teamwork is what matters to him. Being and, and being, you know, and I, didn't, I didn't get this immediately, but being one of 12 in a family is exactly the same as being one of 12 on a team, right? And so he knew his role and he accepted his role and, um, and he cherished his role. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, there's, you know, there's been a significant amount of publicity around the book and the lead up to the book. What comes across to me more than anything else um, in, in this book, in Unguarded, is that Scottie Pippen seems like an incredibly empathetic human being. Right, exactly. And, oh, that, and, and yeah, and a lot of the empathy came from what he experienced, obviously, yeah. Right, and so uh, for people who are not familiar, his, his older brother was um, pushed by a bully and fell in such a way that paralyzed. And then his father became paralyzed after suffering a stroke. And so, you know, dotted throughout the book, you, you just learn about Scotty's ability to connect with people who, who, have, who are developmentally disabled or have suffered some sort of injury. Uh, and, and just, again, just seems like an incredibly empathetic person. Yeah. And I think that it, it, it forms so much of who he is today. It, 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 so many decisions were based on having held, had those experiences, like all of us, I suppose, really. And then, as you've said, there's, there's so many, there are these points where literally that could have been the end of Pippen's basketball playing career. So as a high school coach that kicks on, just a old school white um, guy in, in the South. And, you know, there's probably some racial overtones there. He's got, um, I, I don't know, but uh, you know, if, if his teammates don't walk by, if the assistant coach isn't in his corner, that doesn't happen. Then in college, you know, same thing. He seems to have a great assistant coach in college. Yeah. And uh, so can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Jones, um, who was incredibly supportive. Who uh, He made, Arch Jones, this is made the one phone call that was so important. He called, he reached out to Marty Blake, the director of NBA scouting, who who Arch Jones had met years earlier at the funeral of one of Arch Jones's teammates who, who Marty Blake had scouted and was uh, wanted to join the Atlanta Hawks. And um, so he goes, he gets Marty Blake to attend one of Scotty's games. And Marty Blake writes this report. It goes out to NBA general managers. Jerry Krause reads it, sends Billy McKinney, one of the scout for the Bulls. And all this developed, but all that, what if Marty Blake doesn't go to that game? I mean, right. And then would Scotty have been? It's conceivable he could have been drafted in the fifth, sixth round. They had seven rounds back then, but a lot of guys that drafted that that those rounds never make it. So we'll never know. It's amazing. 
because as you write in the book, Marty Blake is the only NBA scout that looks at him. And, and really, maybe other than Krauss, can't get anybody interested. And it's only through Blake's connections with the Portsmouth Invitational right. Tournament. And yep. that's what really sort of that changed, Portsmouth changed everything. Yep. He, he's, he, he's a star there. He gets invited to Hawaii and, and it, everything has changed from then on. Yeah. Michael, it's an amazing fucking story. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. The, the incident that happened with the bully and, and Pippin's older brother, could you just talk a little bit about that? And, and you write that, you know, much years, years later, the bully sort of tried to reach out. Um, uh, it just seems, uh, you know, such a formative experience for, for. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and just to hear Scotty talk about Ronnie, his older brother and just the love and, 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 and how Ronnie is the true success in the family overcoming what he did to, to lead a, you know, a productive life. It's amazing. Um, and and I, I had conversations with all his brothers and sisters and each one of them was just so endearing. The love I saw, I, I witnessed, and that, that was the one unfortunate thing about, another unfortunate thing about COVID is I never made it to Arkansas personally, which I would have done otherwise, no doubt. I would have gone down there and spent some time there, but I still plan on going at some point. I think I saw that Pippin posted on Instagram the other day a photo of Ronnie and he said, the yeah. strongest person I know. Yep. You co-wrote a book with Phil Jackson last season, which ended up not being the last season. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into to gossip and all that stuff. Have you had any communication with Phil about about Unguarded? Not since it came out. Uh, but gotcha. but I plan on reaching out to him soon, definitely. Working with Phil was a, was an absolute thrill. Um, and that was a crazy season. That was when the Lakers had Carl Malone and Gary Payton and wound up losing to the Pistons in five games in the finals. And then Phil lost his job at the end of that. It, that was That was a crazy, crazy season. Michael, I know you're busy. This has been fantastic. Uh, love that we were able to dive into process and love that we were able to also highlight what, what I think is, as you mentioned, what the main theme of, of the book Unguarded, which is perseverance. So it's Unguarded by Scotty Pippen and Michael Arkush. And thank you both for coming on and, and offline for, for your advice and support. My, my pleasure. And I look forward to, to what, how the Scotty Scott Williams books develops. It's going to be a lot of fun for you, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, kind of alluding to what you were saying, like it's work, right? Writing is work, but it's not, it's not pouring concrete, right? It's a lot of no. fun and, and you get to just really get to know people. And, and with Scott, it's like, I've made a new friend. I'm sure you've had the experience with many of the people you've worked Absolutely, with. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. All right, sir. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Michael Arkush. Scotty Pippen's book, Unguarded, is out today in stores. Encourage you to buy it. And you can find all of my work at benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. Have a great day.